Today is our final service of this year, 2022. There'll be no service Wednesday. There'll be no service uh, next Sunday, which is Christmas Day. And there'll be no service the following Wednesday. We'll, we'll meet back here on New Year's Day, January the 1st. <clears throat> and I got to say, I stand here so grateful and thankful to Yahweh for being with us the whole way. He never, he never, ever forsook us. He was always there right through the middle of everything and always meeting every need. And it's truly miraculous from where I sit to see God do so many wonderful things. You know, he, once again, he provided. It's just miraculous. I'll tell you, I did, I got a price on the, on the lights. It was way less than I thought it was going to be. I'm happy about that. And, uh, and so hopefully that's going to be, it'll probably be after the first of the year, but but uh, anyhow, I'm just grateful for that. The thing is, there's been great faithful people who have sown into this sometimes seemingly impossible work. And what I mean by that is, a guy asked me the other day, he said, how's the, how's the membership going? I said, well, I just got to tell you this. We, we're not the average church. People just don't walk in from the street and then say, wow, that was a wonderful Easter message. <laughs> you know, man, I'll tell you what, I love that, I love that, uh, uh, the stories of going to heaven, you know, and all, I mean, it, it's, it's shocking, and I know, and I, it, I know from the get-go that this wasn't going to be something that everybody just, just thought was wonderful, oh, what revelation like I used to have when I, when I operated more in the prophetic and, and told stuff that was uh, what I call spooky, oh, they love that now, they love that, but I understood that almost impossible what we've taken on and even though we've had some opposition it, it, it ain't been much it ain't nothing it ain't be worthy compared to the glory we're going to have i'll tell you that much and even though we've been through trials I, i've been I, you go through trials of whether you're living for god or not living for god how many of you know that's true life is a trial we've had loss this year horrible loss in all different kind of areas and we've had battles but guess what here we are we're still here we're still standing we're still standing and here we are more than conquerors through Yeshua Christ. But in the midst of all things that, we have, that we've gone through, we always wind up winning. Just because we may struggle certainly don't mean that we are failing. Huh? I, th I saw something, I don't know if somebody can help me with this, that the Colts were winning 33 to nothing and then they lost. Is that it? Sports guys, help me. Yeah. Yeah, it don't, matter. it don't matter. First, second, third quarter. I don't know how long it took them to come back and when that happened. But, you know, it's that fourth quarter that, where you win the game. We've had some quitters, you know, and we've had some haters. But they will never make us quit. And they ain't never going to make us hate. Amen? Amen. We're, getting, we're on the back stretch here. and I've called it before the fourth quarter. But I tell you, next year is going to be a great year. What's going to be great about it, Johnny? We're going to serve God. We're going to please our God. He's going to be with us all the way. And what I'm hoping for next year is that if we, if we can just really believe that God it does bless us and He's going to meet our needs, He is going to take care of things, we can actually enjoy it instead of being afraid that that may not happen or what if this happens every time something comes. I wrote a few things down I was telling Joel about. I said, I don't want to know Yahweh's name and Him not know mine. I don't want to run this race and keep tripping over myself. I don't want to be grafted into the vine and have no fruit. I don't want to be forgiven, 
but then not forgive others. I don't want to live a life that requires faith and have none. I don't want the hard times to drive me away from Yahweh and the ecclesia. But I also don't want the good times to drive me away from Yahweh and the ecclesia. I don't want to come this far and just give up and quit. I don't want the greatest things I have done by faith to be in my past. I don't want to be successful now and a failure then. I don't want to be silent about the true gospel. I don't want my friends and loved ones to hate me on that day because I didn't warn them that they were in deception. I don't want that to be the biggest, my life's biggest regret that I didn't tell my loved one about the gospel of the kingdom. I don't want to go back to the wallow and the vomit of the world. I don't want to die lukewarm. I don't want to get my will done alone. I don't want to live this life without the Holy Spirit. And I do not want to know the gospel and not have the power of the Holy Spirit. This morning, Doug asked me what to title this. I, mean, I, I didn't know. I was going to try to think of something you know, catchy, but I just said, how to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen close. That's, that's what the point I'm going to be making today. How to receive the Holy Spirit. There's about 3 billion people in, in the world that profess to be Christians. And they all have slight differences, you know, and, uh, and a little bit doctrinal differences. But basically, they share the similar beliefs. You know, one thing is the birth of Jesus in the manger, and we're fixing to see all that real soon. But the beliefs are derived from these assumptions based on what they've been told the Bible says. And this is perhaps most true about what is a Christian or how to be a Christian. And I'm used to using the words Christian this morning, y'all, because of one thing. Because I don't like the word. I'm not a Christian. I'm an Ecclesian. But I'm doing it to try to help, you know, not stumble, stumble people, uh, trip them up too bad to start with. When you ask people today to give their definition of a Christian, they give it, but they don't have a Bible definition. And I say, certainly, everybody who professes to be a Christian has an expectation and a desire to want to be saved, not go to hell and go to heaven, is their definition. So if somebody desires to be saved, and they learn what they must be saved from, and they understand that salvation is a gift, but does not know how to receive that, what good is it to know these things if they benefit nothing? Well, this has to do with, with answering, what is a Christian? So what is a Christian? What, what, what does that mean? A lot of people think they know the answer. I'll tell you, I found that most people don't even know what a Christian is biblically. Biblically. I was, it was interesting to me. I saw something the other day I liked. It said, uh, Christianity isn't about loving Jesus. It's about loving Judas. And I said, man, that says it so much. You know, that we're supposed to love our enemies. Pray for those that despitefully use us. And, and you, know, you know, what a Christian is. Loving people. And I have seen the love of many wax cold in the past 10 years like I've never seen in my life. Only true Christians are going to be saved. So I'm going to answer this question by the title of my message. And so what is a true Christian? So what do we do? We examine the scriptures. We examine doctrine. I mean, let me tell you what people do. It is difficult to study the Bible because you have to have so much foreknowledge about the uh, culture of the Hebrews and the Jews and all this kind of stuff. I want to tell you, it takes thousands of hours to study the Bible. 
Hopefully you can find somebody who has studied those things for you. Like, I love the fact that Strong wrote the Strong's Concordance, so I don't have to learn and do everything about Greek. He's already given us the definition of Greek words. Don't you love Brother Strong? And Hebrew. He has saved me a lifetime. So what happens is people want to, you know, I, I tell them it's like learning the Bible is like learning how to play the piano. And when you don't have even uh, either the gifting for the apostolic doctrine from being a true apostle that gets, helps you, and all you can do is learn how to play chopsticks on the piano. Dun, 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 or love and, love, and, love and grace or whatever it is. Dun, 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 huh? Heart and soul is close enough. Heart and soul, you know. And, and so we, we learn that, but we can't get through the theory. We, can't, we don't understand. We don't take the time and the knowledge it takes to be a, really a musician. So what they do is they usually change instruments. And when a preacher changes instrument from the piano, or the, he, he leaves the truth of the Bible, don't understand that. I always say the instrument he usually goes to is the kazoo. And they're blowing a bunch of stuff, that, and they just make stuff up. I saw a guy the other day, man, he was talking all this stuff. It is, it is, it, I, I'm, I'm telling you, it's, it's funny, but it's sad. And they're using all this. It's just Kabbalah. Kabbalah's got some great terminology, y'all, make, make people think that you know something about the Bible. Oh, Kabbalah, he wears string around them and all. I mean, and, but they sprinkle a little Star Wars in there with them because they've seen all the... the what do you call them, episodes or the movies, all the Star Wars stuff. And so they mix that in their head and they come up with these doctrines about what it is to be saved and the purpose of God. So my thing is this, if we're going to understand how to be a Christian for us today, not to tell somebody else and share the gospel with them, but, and, and you could use this, but today, is there a single verse? What is a good verse that, that defines what it is to be a Christian? But usually people don't use this verse. They usually use the Roman road to salvation. But this is the verse I want to use today. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 14. Word from my sponsor. It says this, For as many are as led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. A Christian, and the true definition of a Christian, is one that has the what I call the Spirit Word leading him. But I'm going to emphasize to us the Spirit because we got a lot of Word, y'all, guys. We got a lot of Word. That's why I said I don't want to know Yahweh's name but him not know mine. So is having the Spirit of God absolutely essential to really be a Christian? Let me tell you what Paul said a few years, years earlier. He said, but you are not in the flesh, but are in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of him. His. It's that simple. Either, either you got the Spirit of Christ or you don't. You can have the knowledge of the Word, but if you don't have the Spirit of Christ, you are none of His. I think that's simple. Don't you? One either has the Spirit of God and is a Christian, or he does not have it. And it's not a Christian. The Bible calls it this. You're none of his. People have a transaction with God in some way, or they get a little knowledge and all that. But, and then they don't understand why they have no power of God. I'm going to tell you why. Because we don't have the Spirit of, we don't have the spirit of God. I, you know, y'all, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to cast this devil out of this thing. Here, Doug, I'm going to change, Doug, okay? 
One, two. Hey, there we go. All those people who were truly converted must have the Holy Spirit in them. So what does that mean? And is this all there is to Christianity and conversion with nothing more to understand? I got to tell you, number one, man, we got to know that you, a Christian is somebody that has the Spirit, Holy Spirit. Now, the thing is, a lot of people have an odd mentality that, you know, I got the Holy Ghost in 1965 at an old-fashioned altar. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And we have this mentality that we receive the Spirit of God. But I want, to, I want us to listen. And I know we are, this is the last part of the message series of, of what we're, uh, reset is what I called it. I've done it for about maybe three months. Human beings, as you know and I know, don't have an inherent immortality in there. We're not born with an immortal soul. Since you're not immortal, your life will span a certain lot of the time after which you're going to die. Now, the reason I harp on this all the time, guys, is this. If you don't understand that one principle that was the first lie and it was the grand master daddy of all lies, if you don't understand that principle, you'll misunderstand everything in the Bible. You can't interpret the whole Bible. From that one thing, it was in Genesis and it was the very thing that said, God said, you shall surely die, which means you're going to be dead. What's Adam going to do? You're going to go back to where you were from, the dirt. Not you were, modern the, uh, Christendom teaches you're either going to go to heaven or hell. Well, that he, wouldn't, he didn't come from heaven, and he didn't come from hell. He came from the dust. And so, uh, not under, misunderstanding, the serpent said, you shall not surely die. God said, you will die, surely die. So who are we going to believe? But I can tell you an absolute, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, you and I are going to be allotted this certain amount of time, and after that's over, you're going to be dead. Unless Yahweh somehow intervenes in a man's life, that man has no future and no hope beyond about a limited time of about 70 or maybe 80 years, 87 years. So we must receive the Holy Spirit. How? Well, most people, and we've talked, preached against this and taught against it, they believe there's no requirements or no conditions to being saved. And I'm going to tell you, we know that that's just not true. There are three preconditions for a man to get saved and be able to qualify to receive the Holy Spirit. I want you to listen close to this. When Yahshua established the church, the apostle Peter got up and preached a message. It was so convicting that 3,000 were baptized. Remember, these were Jews. They already understood the gospel of the kingdom. They already understood uh, uh, what faith, they had the right faith and what they believed in. And so what happened, they repented on that day. He told them, repent and believe and be baptized. Those are the three things. They said, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Yahshua for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. There it is. How do you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost? You repent, you believe, Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, and you are to be baptized. That is the order. And to receive the forgiveness of sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit those are the, that's the process according to the scriptures. Now, you know what? I know people think that right now they can pray a sinner's prayer and never be, never have the right faith, believe the right gospel and not, and never be baptized. And they think that their sins are forgiven. I want to tell you, it's not true. I've been in church for a hundred years. Your sins have never been forgiven. If you have not 
gone through this process right here. And I'll tell you something bigger than that. And you never have received the Holy Spirit. Y'all hear me? I know, I know what I'm up against. Look, look around. I know what I'm up against. But I'm, sir, I'm working for God. Tell you what, if you, as long as you make the boss happy, you got job security. How many of you know that's true? Baptism is the place of the forgiveness of your sins, and that is the place and the only place you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. From baptism onward now, we have been equipped with an empowerment to be led by that Holy Spirit in us. Hallelujah. If you don't have the forgiveness of sin, the Holy Spirit will not be given to you because it's a Holy Spirit, and you would remain unholy. And I'm going to tell you, you don't need the Holy Spirit or Jesus or nobody else to turn over a new leaf. All you got to do is get arrested and be put in jail, and I guarantee you, you're going to get jailhouse salvation that quick. You can turn over a whole leaf under pressure, under circumstances. When things are bad, I've seen men cry out to God. Let me tell you what that repentance means. It means to have a change of mind, that issues in regret for past sins and in change of conduct for the better. The repentant mind reflects a completely different change. Grab this, guys. Attitude. The Holy Spirit will change your attitude. People with attitudes make me feel like you don't have the Holy Spirit. I did it one time. but you've done run out of gas, baby. It has gone from this. Hang on. This is, this, what, what, what I'm preaching right now is really what people don't like what I preach. The heaven hell thing, they, they don't care. It's gone from the way of pleasing self to seeking to please God. It's the sin of Cain. I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to please myself. That's why people think, look at, look at all the people out here today. You know why? Because they think they don't have to come to church. You can't get your well done if you are not and you forsake the assembling. It just, I just don't understand how people just think it, but it's the society we're in. We are a self-pleasing self. I had a guy ask me this the other day, Joel. He said, hey, what's that song Hotel California about, is about? What's that about? Well, you know, and of course, kids today may not know what that song is, but what was a guy told me the other day? He's talking about, oh, yeah, he bought his wife an a iWatch, and he told the kid at the, at the uh, T-Mobile, he said, yeah, I'm Dick Tracy. And the guy said, who? <laughs> Dick Tracy. <laughs> Anyhow, so this, this guy's asking me, let me give him a thought here. Uh, oh, yeah, about uh, Hotel California. So he said, yeah, what is that? I said, well, if you, it's a double album. If you open up, up in the, the, uh, the top of the, the uh, middle of the album, double album, there is a guy standing up there. That guy's name was Anton LaVey. If you ever heard of him, Anton LaVey was the founder and high priest of the satanic church. This was in, what's Hotel California? I mean, was that 76, something like that, 77? So he started the whole religion of the satanic church. Oddly, they don't even believe in Satan. Well, I'll tell you what they do believe in, though. The satanic church at that time believed in one thing, pleasing self. That's what it was. That is Luciferian. But those who have repented will seek to please God. It wants to. It wants to. It wants to submit to God. And it wants to submit to his ways. 
Have we lost our want to? Has our walk to leaked out? Let me tell you about human nature. It's vanity, jealousy, lust, greed, envy, resentment, foolishness, and more. Human nature is the way of grabbing for self and looking out for self, period. It may do a little bit of stuff on the side. Listen, listen to what your Bible says. Because the carnal mind is enmity or the enemy against God. For it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You cannot be subject to the law of God without the spirit word of God in you. Your flesh isn't bound to it. It may have a moral code. You, you may be a person who was raised maybe, let's say, Catholic, and you live under guilt all the time. But that ain't what we're talking about. I'm talking about living under guilt. I'm talking about being led by the spirit. This verse reveals that it is crucial for us to have received and maintain the Spirit of God in us if we hope to ever please God. Verse 6 said, watch, and watch this, to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is, look, watch, life and peace. I'm not talking about here in the hereafter. Without the Spirit word, without the Holy Spirit in your life, in my life, we won't have life and peace. The spiritually minded have the Holy Spirit. There's no other way to be spiritually minded. That is the mind of Christ. It's an outlook. It's an attitude. It's a belief system. It's a confidence. Yeshua called God's Spirit in John 15 and 16. He said it's the Spirit of truth. Here we go. I had a problem with this initially. He said it would lead the convert into all truth. But I got to tell you, before he led me into all truth about maybe the scriptures, and I'm not saying I know everything there is to know, but he led me into all truth about me. Because until you get truthful about who you really are, you're going to be hard to get along with. You hear me? You're going to be hard to get along with. You're going to be obstinate. You're going to be negative. You're going to be this. You're never going to, you'll, be, no, you'll doubt. You'll say, oh, I tried that. It don't work. I mean, that's because there is no, 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 no longer any gas in your tank. You somehow leaked out and continued in the flesh, and now you're wore out because pushing a van that's run out of gas will make you tired, won't it, Joel? Had him push me one time. <laughs> he was wore out. That's, my, that's how I know. The most important truth is when he leads us to have a proper understanding of ourself and the forces at work inside my human nature. You know what? That ain't truthful, but you will believe it. It's like somebody who don't really love themselves. You'll never be able to love them. You'll never be able to love the real them because they don't love the real them. So they're projecting another them that they think somebody else loves. It's just like we think we're successful or we're doing something good because we, we are pretending kind of to be like person, a person that we think is having fun. And you find out they kill themselves. Ephesians 2, listen. It says that the carnal mind is the prince of the power of the air and the god of this world. Oh, my God. The prince of the power of the air. I want to tell you, your carnal mind will change the atmosphere. You can walk in a room and all of a sudden everybody starts getting fray, afraid. You know, somebody comes in the room and hears this, you know, bah, 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 down or this. No, it's just we know, you know that something's wrong. What changed? It influences and empowers disobedience into the masses around the world, man. 
that carnal nature. These people have gone stupid crazy. I got to tell you, there are people today who don't know what they are or what they want to be. There is a spirit of confusion. I'm, t- I'm not talking about what we used to call crazy people, people who were insane. I'm talking about people who are running our government. But I know this, that same spirit that causes them, that attitude, that carnal, when I say spirit, you know, there's only one spirit. That's the Holy Spirit, okay? But, but that same attitude, that presence, that, that desire, that disobedience that drives that man to want to dress like that woman is the same spirit or attitude or thing that's working in us to make us do something that's disobedient to God. Maybe we wouldn't go that far, but we'll go this far, and it's just as wrong. Not embarrassed about it at all anymore. No shame about anything anymore. You know, I've been doing the, the money, the tithes and offerings lately. You know, I'm like, man, I, I'm shocked. I just do whatever we want to do. But I got to say, I will say this. There's just a few. The rest of us, man, I'll tell you, there's people in this house that are so faithful. It blesses me. And I just want to say that, but I need to say both of those things. The way of disobedience is the opposite to the way of God. It becomes hostile and rebellious against everything that's God. I ain't doing that. I ain't doing that. You can't tell me to do that. I'm doing this. I'm doing this. We'll just justify it forever. But you never would when you had the Spirit of God in you. You can do that with knowledge because knowledge will puff you up to make you something that you're not. But it'll make you think you are. But it's the doing of the Word. It's the doing and obeying of that Word. The influence that's there. That flesh teaches the way to get instead of God's way, and that is to give. The converted, spirit-led mind Resist the influence of the word to do of the world to do anything other but want to obey God. How many get tempted sometimes with stuff? I get tempted. I get distracted. I get drawn away. I get that, but I want to tell you something. I fight it. I'm not going to have it. I want to tell you why. Because I have the Holy Spirit in me, and it makes Him sick. It causes me to grieve and mourn. As if somebody has passed away that I loved. There's nothing worse to me than for the Spirit of God to get grieved about sin in my life. This Spirit-led mind, I want to tell you something else about it. It wants to grow. That Spirit-led mind, when you got the Holy Ghost juicing you up in there, I want to tell you what, it makes you hungry and thirst. It makes you want to grow. It exalts God. It humbles yourself. It seeks to please God in every possible way. You know, like you used to when you had the Holy Ghost. I want to draw near to God. I want to pray. I want to study. I want to fast. I want to meditate. I want to exercise God's Spirit and being joined to a people and a God. Man, repentance is this, an ongoing, continuous, perpetual attitude of wanting to change, of wanting to be better, to wanting to grow, to want to overcome, to want to be more like Christ on an everyday basis. We need to reset. Hungering and thirsting after God's righteousness and not all this temporal stuff, guys, that just is not going to be nothing. You, it's not yours. You'll find out. When you die, you can't take you. you. If you get a divorce, you might find out sooner. It believes, like I was speaking of earlier, the practice of using the faith of Yeshua, that Yeshua is my personal Savior. 
The one who's just received the Spirit of God, after he repented, believed, and was baptized, and his sins were forgiven, he was given a tiny bit of the mind of Christ, a tiny bit of the power of God, and a tiny bit of the nature of God. Let's call it a seed, an incorruptible seed that was placed in you. He had to dig up and uproot all that junk of sin, and he cleared the slate, and he put down a tiny bit. Peter said in 2 Peter 1, he said, Christians are partakers of the divine nature. What is that? God-likeness. We have God-likeness in us, but we also have human nature in us. That mindset, that carnal mind used to be the sole custodian of my mind. But I've had to slowly replace it by the divine nature through the presence and growth of the Holy Spirit within me. And if it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, I would never be able to say spirit word, Joel, because I would have never gotten the word without the Spirit. Y'all hear me? It ain't just studying and getting knowledge about stuff. I did that. And I'll tell you what, just because you received the Holy Spirit don't mean all of a sudden the human nature, nature, nature man is dead. Let me tell you what you got to do to him. You got to beat the hell out of him. You got to bring his, him under submission. You got to crucify him daily. That's what you got to do. How many of you know what I'm talking about? When you think you're, oh, I'm so spiritual. Oh, what, what, what's, what was that? It'll sneak up on you. It, it remains present and active, and I have found out that it always is in opposition to the nature of God in me. We've got to understand this battle. It's a battle. That's my battle. My, my battle isn't like, like regular stuff. My battle is about this warfare between me and, and my carnal man. I want to tell you there's millions and millions and millions of people who are deceived, and they're assuming that they're going to be saved at death simply because they have accepted Jesus as a personal Savior and prayed a sinner's prayer. Let me tell you what the Bible says in James 2.20. Without, without faith, excuse me, faith without works is dead. Faith and the Word to me is, is the body, and the Spirit of God is the animation of that body. It's the breath of life into that body. You know, we've heard if you confess your mouth with the Lord Jesus and believe in his heart and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And I'll tell you, you can make all kinds of doctrines out of one-liners. Roman road to salvation, all that. All you got to do, you must believe in your heart. But there's much more to these verses. You know, the Bible also says this. When you're building doctrine, you got to take all the counsel of God's word. Matthew 7, 21, not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. It says of heaven, not in heaven. But he that does the will of my Father, which is in heaven. Paul wrote in Romans 2, the doers of the law shall be justified. So just believing in Jesus, and you know what I, where I would go with that. It's not even his name anyhow. This morning, I think people should be more concerned about it, whether or not Yahweh accepts us than whether we choose to accept him. I'm going to say something to you, people that are listening. I have no agenda except one thing. I want to tell you this. You're going to mess around, and you're going to die lukewarm. You may not die physically. I'm not talking about that. But the day will come that you, Yahweh will cut you off, and there will be no place of return. I know people don't believe that, but I know people, I can tell you right now, they will never return to God because it's over. You want, you want the world? 
You want, you want a recreation? You want all that thing instead of serving God first and all that? He'll give it to you. The Bible says in Acts 5, 2, the Holy Spirit whom God has given to them that obey him. You only get the Spirit if you are somebody who is practicing his commands. Obedience to God isn't just a qualifier for receiving eternal life. It is also absolutely essential to receiving and continuing to receive that river of living water called the Spirit of God. I'll tell you, I'll tell you a good thing for you to look up. Go home today and Google Euphrates River. Prophesied in Revelation 16 that it was going to dry up. And go look at the Euphrates River right now. Dried up. I said it's dried up. Am I trying to scare you because you better be ready? No, I'm trying to scare you because you better be ready. You need to be scared sometimes. Wake up from the slumber of serving this dull world. I found that serving God makes this world pliable. Enjoy, and I can enjoy it. What's the opposite of obedience? Sin. <laughs> but can I tell you something? I cannot preach repentance anymore. I cannot preach to sinners anymore. You know why, y'all? Who knows why? Because there are no more sins. Nothing's wrong anymore. And nobody has any conscience or shame about sin in their life because everything's okay. And so it's gotten so bad now, you know, it's like, hey, adultery ain't no bad, bad so bad anymore, you know, because there's homosexuals. So now homosexuality isn't so bad anymore. Why? Because there's these other group of whatever. they I don't know what they call them, y'all. But they better not come in the bathroom with me. You receive God's spirits preceded by repentance of what? Having broken God's law. And faith believe the true gospel and baptism. Then you get your sins forgiven. And then at that point, listen to this. It's called begotten of God. John 3 calls it born again, but the word really means begotten. What, is, what does that mean? Put a little bit of that God seed in you. It's a it's a it's You've been inseminated by the word spirit, I mean, by the word of God. And watch. Now the development of that fetus begins in us. And that new begotten child of God is now an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ potentially. But the baby can be aborted. Do you hear me? Fruit must be developed. We have the mind of Christ. This happens How? Through the Spirit of God. Some of us are trying to just, in our own power and, and our Google searches, okay, how can I be happy? You know, how can I love people? How can I do that? You're in your own head. But when you have the Spirit of God, He empowers you and gives you and, and gives you that, that a love that we have that's been shed abroad in our heart by the Spirit of God. So we have this stuff happening through the indwelling possession of the Spirit of God the Spirit of God does not sit static and bottled up and unproductive inside a Christian. Let me tell you what happens when, you're, when you, are, you have the Holy Spirit. You become activated again. You're not passive. I don't care. Well, whatever. It don't matter. Whatever. No, man, you've got a hunger and a desire. See, my number one way of checking my, the level of the Holy Spirit in me is love level, having a love level. When I'm frustrated and mad at everybody and don't like nothing, you know, anybody get like that? Sometimes it's just you just didn't get enough sleep that night or something like that. But see, I believe no matter what the natural circumstances are, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, he overcomes those natural circumstances, and you don't have to be that person no more. 
Well, I don't know. I can't do it. Yes, you can. You're not trying. You're not allowing the Spirit of God. You're out of gas, baby. Joel's tired of pushing you. <laughs> it's that way that we are directly connected with Yahshua. We have the same Spirit. He's sharing His gas with us. He gives us His Spirit. we got to realize this. Watch. I'm the vine. My father is the owner, the husbandman, and ye are the branches. Every branch in me that bears not fruit, watch, he takes away. What does he take away? You and me. And every branch that bears fruit, guess what he does? He purges it, and that's not always pleasant. But it's always been worth pain. That it may bring forth what? More fruit. Listen, we must bear fruit. What kind of fruit, Johnny? It's called Galatians fruit. Nine of them right there. That should be what we're turning into. Not getting more bitter, not getting more unforgiving, not getting more doubtful, not getting more unbelieving, not getting more hateful, not getting more separated, not getting we, sad. We should be full of joy and peace. But then if you're not, I'm telling you, you're going back the wrong direction because the path of the righteous is like the light of dawn. It's going to get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. You say, well, that's my, my, my experience. So like I said, I said, well, you're, you have the wrong experience. I am the vine, you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same shit brings forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Listen to what I just said. Listen to me. What I'm talking about getting you, you can do nothing. You've got to be plugged into Yeshua. He's your personal Savior, not your butler, not your uh, valet. But it's, if you get unplugged from him, where, where, how do you get plugged into Yeshua? Through his body. Where's his body? We are. You're going to get plugged into us and one another. You're going to go around the mountain again and go around the mountain again and go around the mountain again. And maybe, good, yeah, maybe get a good job this time. You know, you go around the mountain. But you cannot su succeed in life without Christ. I didn't say you couldn't have money. I didn't say you didn't have nice homes and cars. You can do all of that. But if you profit all that and you lose your own soul, that's how I look at it. I read it somewhere. He that abides in me and I him, I in him, the same brings forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. Dude, that's heavy. I think that's serious. There's two important points that we got to comprehend. Number one, the amount of fruit that Christians develop must increase. You can't just stay like you are. You've got to keep increasing. Number two, Yahweh takes away of those who do not bear fruit and cast them into the fire and they are burned. Now that's indicative really of Gehenna. That's what he's saying. So we got this, we got this misunderstanding, I think, of, of how God, what he does and how he does it. The, the thing is, it's serious. I want us to go into the new year with the Holy Spirit and abiding in Yahshua, which is each other. I want to tell you, the Holy Spirit will become active in you immediately when you go back to your repentance, which is supposed to be perpetual. He will activate and become productive in your life immediately. That's what I love about God. Let me tell you what he's done. With a true, sincere heart of repentance, I mean, I really was sincere about it. He forgives me, and he doesn't put me in the back of the line. He lets me stay right where I was. 
Isn't that beautiful? Oh, now you got to start down here, Johnny, over again. We're, Christ is now in us, and he's like the vine to which we're connected. And Yahshua, through us, remember, I didn't say for us, but through us, produces good works of righteousness. This means that obeying God's law and bearing much fruit. This is how Paul said it. And hope makes not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, which is given unto us. And all of these things have to be cultivated, and they have to be developed. As true believers, spirit-led people with a converted mind that has the seed of God, we must not become negligent and careless about practicing every word of the Bible. And the Bible warns us about becoming slothful or sleeping or lukewarm or passive. And so this morning, Paul, I will uh, agree with Paul that we make sure that we will wake up and not sleep through this coming year. God wants to and is looking for people that he can use in this transition from and the close of this Gentile age. And I believe right before it's over, what God's trying to do is restore all those truths that, that were hidden and lied about through the Gentiles, through modern Christendom, through the hijacking of the gospel. And so now, you, you, so, you know you, it's the truth. Now you see more of Yahweh's name out there, don't you? Don't you? Yeah, that ain't a big deal. Anyway, Yahweh got, Yahweh, I know, um, Justin supposed to get me one of those hats. You got a Yahweh hat, man. I mean, I mean, people, now they're talking about Yahweh, and they're talking about Yahshua some and all that, because Yahweh is restoring these things. Let me tell you, we are on the spearhead of that. We are on the spearhead of making that happen, as simple as it may seem. And so that puts a responsibility on us to get the gospel out. But if you don't think it's important enough to even tell the people you love or whatever, and listen, I know the resistance. I know. You may have to just dust your feet off some people, but we always have to have the heart to want to. And, and, and the Spirit of God, when we stay filled with the Spirit, He'll give us those opportunities. It'll be amazing, the opportunities, that somebody will walk up you like a little puppy dog waiting to get a treat, and it'll dawn on you and like, oh, my God, look at here. But there's some people that I'm going to tell it to them whether they want to hear it or not because I don't want to hear it on the judgment day, and I'll tell them too, okay. I don't want to hear it. Don't come to me. There's something that separates us. We have been set apart by the word of truth. Sanctify them through your truth. He said your word is truth. It's the truth that sets us apart and sanctifies us from everybody else. We are set apart and sanctified. The old folks used to say, saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost and fire. I'm sanctified. I'm set apart. This house is sanctified. It's set apart. We're not supposed to be of the world or the ways of the world or the customs of the world or the traditions of the world. I know you ain't scared to stand up because if you can preach this gospel or believe this gospel, you got some, some uh, you got them. The honas. Thank you for whoever gave me that Greek word. Cajonas, <laughs> Greek or Hebrew. So every command and doctrine of God has been counterfeited through popular but false traditions. Mark said, uh, Yahshua said in Mark, how be it in vain do they worship me? Teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of God, you hold the traditions of men. That's all y'all get today. God bless you. 